nobody does this. Nobody takes this level of customization and tailoring to the same extremes that we do. And it's one of the reasons why it's so effective. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, it's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 70, big seven zero of the McMahon's email marketing podcast, where you get... Every week, nitty-gritty techniques, tips, and strategies to make more money with email marketing and sales funnels in your business. So this podcast is really just about the art and science of making money online, but I like to have a, uh, a little cool, catchy intro there, so I'm tweaking things and changing things as we go. Now, today, I'll be talking to Ryan Levesque, or Levesque, I think it's Levesque, about uh, survey funnels. Ryan is v- uh, very well known for his uh, survey funnel formula which is basically a way of building sales funnels that uses surveys. And today, we're going to talk about exactly what the survey funnel formula is, why it works so much better than you know ordinary typical funnels, and uh, you know how to position the survey, what to do with the survey data, how to use the survey data to uh, boost your conversions throughout the autoresponder. Now, what I love about Ryan's strategy is that uh, it's very simple, it's very straightforward. It sounds complex, which is why a lot of people aren't doing it. But because it's easy, it's it's uh, you know it's quite straightforward. I think that you can go and set it up and you can execute on this. So there's some great information in this podcast. You might want a pen and paper for this one or uh, some sort of note-taking device. Now, to get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com seven zero seventy. Okay. Now, this week's McMaster's Insider of the Week. If you don't know, McMaster's is uh, my private training community where you can. Learn Learn more about uh, email marketing, sales funnels, how to write pages that convert, how to tell stories, all that sort of stuff. There's weekly, sorry, monthly webinars and uh, expert interviews and a bunch of stuff inside there. Now, one thing uh, I've been talking about on some of the latest training uh, webinars, we call them the McMaster's Roundtable, is upsells. Now, I've been running a uh, paid traffic on Facebook. Well, sorry, I've been running a campaign on Facebook for the last sort of month or so, a month or two. And uh, what's blown me away so far is that the upsells that I have in that funnel, which, you know, someone buys the first product and then there's a series of upsells after that, have been making up two-thirds of the revenue uh, on the campaign. And so now now it's now a profitable campaign. Now, I've never been into upsells. It's never really been my thing. I've heard about it, but I just thought, oh, I'll wait for that. I don't need to do that stuff. But now when I look at this sales funnel, the whole reason that sales funnel and the paid traffic campaign is making money is because of those upsells. And that's why I've been talking about it inside McMaster's on the training webinars because one of the easiest ways for you to make more money in your business is to increase the amount of money that each person spends with you. And the easiest way to do that is to create uh, relevant products, which is a lot easier than it sounds, but create products and sell them as upsells. So if you have a book that you're selling for 100 bucks, create another product to sell them straight after they make that purchase for another $100. Right? You could be in services. Maybe someone wants to pay you $2,000 to write a sales letter and uh, you say, well, how about we do the sales letter for 2000 and then I uh, optimize it and split test it for another 1000 Like, Figure out ways to do upsell. This is by far the easiest way to increase the amount of money you're already making in your business. Okay, It's hard to get traffic. It's hard to boost conversions. Upsells are such a simple, simple hack that most people aren't going to do it. Most people won't do it because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Right? So you gain an instant advantage if you can get over that discomfort and just do what makes, uh, I think, what makes very good business sense, which is just increasing or improving the economics of your business. 
Okay. Now, I've got one review this week, another five-star. This one comes in from Dylan Sigurd from the United States. He says, five stars, insider scoop on email marketing and more. McIntyre is basically the uh, email expert in this podcast if he sheds more light on very profitable email marketing methods. Thanks for giving us a lot of value, John. Thank you for the review, Dylan Sigurd. I hope I said your, uh, your name right there. I don't know which one's the first name. Anyway, but thanks for the review. If uh, if you want to leave a review for the show, you can uh, go to iTunes, search for McMethod, search for the email marketing podcast, jump in there, leave me a review. It totally makes my day. It blows me away. Uh, and it really gives me a, a hit of motivation to keep doing these podcast interviews. So yeah. Now, let's get into this interview, this little podcast with Mr. Ryan Levesque. <laughs> It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponding guy. I'm here with Ryan Levesque. Now, uh, Ryan is a, a marketing expert, a business coach, and uh, I'll give him a quick little intro and then I'll hand it over to him. But he, uh, he went to $0 to $25,000 a month in 18 months with his first online business. He's uh, launched, built, and sold multiple internet companies. He's coached over 45 clients through the process and uh, he's helped generate $37 million in revenue for these clients during that time. So uh, he's done some cool stuff, and uh, I thought we'd get on today to talk about uh, a specific funnel that uses sort of like a different way of doing a sales funnel that's uh, very intriguing, and I don't know too much about myself because I've never used it, but I've heard good things from him and from a, a lot of other people who do it. Andre Chaperon, I think, has used this approach before, so we'll get into that. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm pumped. Uh, really excited to be here, man. Good to have you on the show, man. Good day. You don't have a green juice or a green smoothie with you right now, do you? I don't. I just have water. We were. Uh, it's it's funny to bring that up because uh, before the call, we were just chatting about our obsession over green smoothies, green juice, salads, and just uh, living healthy. So yeah. uh, you got to fuel the body to fuel the mind. But do it fast as well. Like that's part of the point with the smoothies is you can you know you don't want to sit down for an hour and eat a meal. Don't have time oh, for I, that. <laughs> exactly. Too many emails to write. No, you're absolutely right. I uh, originally I did it out of necessity. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but two years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes. And it was a complete shock to me because I'm, I'm in my 30s right now. Type 1 diabetes, it's juvenile diabetes. So it's usually uh, kids that are diagnosed. But the reason why the way I found out is I applied for life insurance and I was rejected. And I'm an otherwise, you know, if you look at me, you would say, oh, he's a healthy guy. I'm not overweight. I'm in pretty good shape. But um, I, was, uh, I was, again, rejected uh, for life insurance. And I went to the doctor and said, here are my labs. Um, do you think we should get some labs done to see, you know, corroborate the results, to see if they're you know, real or not? And we did that. And I got a phone call from my doctor uh, about an hour later. And he said, you need to go to the emergency room now. You're in what's called DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis, and you could literally slip into a coma any day. Um, and my wife was freaking out. I was freaking out. Um, we went to the emergency room. I spent four days in the ICU, the intensive care unit. Um, I was pumped with 15 pounds of fluids. I had lost a bunch of weight leading up to this. And I had all sorts of other symptoms, but I just never really attributed it to a disease. I was just working really hard. And I thought I lost all this weight because I wasn't eating. And I wasn't eating because I was you know, working really hard. And I was weak and tired because I was spending so much time working. And we just had a baby, so I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. So long story short, the reason why I bring all that up is that's been a huge motivator for me um, and a real kind of eye opener that listen we're not a, we're not here forever mm -hmm. and like i was the la i mean i was the last person to think that something like that was going to happen to me bringing it back to the green smoothie one of the reasons why i eat the way i eat now which is three green smoothies a day one green juice in the morning two salads 
and uh, a high quality protein at night, like a you know organic grass fed steak or wild salmon or something like that. Um, the reason why I eat so healthy now is um, basically out of necessity. I do it because I want to limit the amount of medications I need to take um, and 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 just really be healthy. I mean, I've got uh, a son and a and another one uh, on the way. And so I think, you know, all of us have our own motivations for what drives us to do well in business and be successful. And for me, um, it's, uh, you know, to provide for my family and knowing that, um, you know, I, you know, if I take care of myself, I'll be, be around for a long time. But if I don't take care of myself, um, a type one diabetics life expectancy in a place like Africa is really, it's pretty sad. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, after diagnosis, it's like 15 or 17 years. So, um, you have to take care of yourself and, um, you know, it's, uh, we're just joking, you know, feel the, feel the body, feel the mind. And, um, you know, it all comes back to, kind of what you put into your body. So for me, that's what drives me. And what's interesting is after I was diagnosed, um, we had the literally the, the best year ever in our business. And I've been doing this since full-time since 2008. And this was, I guess, 2013. Uh, no, two, yeah, 2013, the next year that I, uh, the next full year after diagnosis. And now in 2014, we're five months into the year and I've already, I'm already 150% uh, over entire uh, last year. So in other words, what we did in 2013, I'm already 150% better doing ahead of the game there. So just goes to show you that, you know, something like that happens to you if it's bad, whatever, you can use it as motivation to drive you to take things, you know, step up your game and take things to the next level. So anyways, I know it was a real long introduction. Weren't probably planning on talking about it. But I think it's interesting to hear when I'm listening to interviews with people to kind of understand what motivates them, what drives them, and a little bit of background uh, before we kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of the, the business side of things. Okay. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, and that's so uh, one thing I'm curious about, this is to kind of to stay on this topic just for a little bit longer, is to think, well, you know, it's, it's, uh, you have this huge motivation that's come from so the diabetes and, the, you know, we're not around forever. How right. does that, how does, the, how do you convert that? How does that uh, propel you in business, say, instead of saying, well, I'm not going to work as much anymore. I'm going to spend more time with my family or, or whatever. Like, I don't know how, how do you frame that up? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. Um, I remember when I was, um, I think 25, I had this feeling, I was working in a corporate job, I was living in Asia, I was working for an insurance company, uh, AIG, I had a really great job, high paying job, I think I was making uh, like $278,000 a year and I was uh, running a team of 24 people, I was opening up sales offices all around the country and I had another one of these moments and I said, like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this and I just had this feeling that if I don't do something now. If I don't just, you know, I had this flicker uh, of entrepreneurialism in my, uh, in you know, in my in my gut that was about to be extinguished. It was, it was just a little bit of a flicker there. And I just had this feeling that if I didn't do something now, that flame was going to go out and it was going to go out forever. And so I made the bold decision to quit my job, move in with my wife, who at the time was getting her PhD in a 400-square-foot apartment, and started my first internet company. And that's when I went from uh, you know, 0 to 25,000 in 18 months. And I had a similar – and the reason why I had that feeling was this – this whatever this number feeling like I'm going to be turning 30 in a couple of years just felt like it was um, so close like it was just it was right there and it felt like you know in my early 20s I felt like I had all the time in the world but just seeing that that number was there that like if I didn't do it now I was never going to do it and I don't want to look back at my life you know 75 85 years old and saying 
I wonder what if. And this time around, when I got sick, it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit, well, I might not be around forever. And so I want to earn as much money as possible for my family so that if something did happen to me, that I would leave them in a really great position. Now, I'm not in a position where I'm, you know, three months away from dying. I don't want to, like, you know, create that misconception. But it was that, that was the thought going through my head, um, especially when I was, when I was sick. And I think anyone who has kids, like, you don't have kids, right, John? You're no. single? Yeah. Yeah. I think when you have kids, it's sort of like this, you know, daddy gene kicks in and we're like, you know, I got to step things up. You know, I want to be, I want, uh, you know, I want my, my, my boys to, you know, look up at, look up to me and say, wow, you know, dad did amazing things. And, and I'm really proud for, you know, to, to be, um, you know, for me to be their father on the one hand. And on the other hand, I'm working really hard now so that I don't have to work hard forever. Um, you know, I, whether this happens or not, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I could conceivably retire in a few years, as crazy as that sounds, in my 30s. And so there's that, th- that that appeals to me as well, that if I just really burn the midnight oil for like another year or two, I could legitimately just say, done. And not that we'd be living crazy millionaire, you know, lifestyle where we're, you know, riding uh, Rolls Royces and and living on private yachts, but we could live a comfortable lifestyle and I wouldn't have any work obligations. So I've kind of, you know, thought about things like that. If I just do this sprint for a couple more years and then uh, secondarily, if not, well, then I can take things down a notch and, and the pressure's off and, you know, I can kind of work really, really short hours. At the same time too, now my, I've engineered my schedule so that I work in very set specific times and and I uh, you know take time off to, to be with the family and just like you I mean I could work anywhere so we take vacations all the time and you know just bring my laptop and everything like that so you know I think the way things are set up right now is, is pretty good and I know we spent a little bit more time talking about kind of the lifestyle side of things but we can bring it back to business and the thing that's allowed me to do that is um, like you I've invested a tremendous amount of time in uh, in becoming a really skilled copywriter and then taking that skill and bringing it one step further and focus on becoming a funnel specialist, building end-to-end online funnels. And my sort of contribution to the marketing world is a very specific type of funnel that I've, uh, I'm the only one that does this funnel in this specific way. And it's something I call my survey funnel. And this is something that I've used to generate 2.8 million leads, 175,000 customers across 17 different markets in the last 23 months alone. And I've just since added two more markets that I'm going into. And I basically work with and partner with large seven, eight, and nine figure businesses. I build their entire funnels on a on a fee plus royalty basis, and I get pay, paid handsomely to do it. Um, and uh, we can talk about some of the mechanics of that funnel and maybe how some people on the call can use elements of that in in their business and take um, you know take what's working so well for me in my business and maybe apply parts of it in their world. Sure, let's dig in. Let's talk about. I mean, I'm I'm curious about what this what this survey funnel looks like. I've seen sort of. So my idea that from what it sounds like and what I've seen out there before is when someone opt-ins, use a survey to segment them. 
but the you know now that you mention it, it actually sounds like it's probably a bit more involved than just simply giving someone a survey and segmenting them when they sign up. So kind of let's start off with kind of like a broad view. What is it, and uh, what sort of you know what does it look like? Then we can dive into the nitty gritty. Sure, absolutely. So instead of so typically in a lead capture funnel, we all know the squeeze page, right? Everyone, you know, you go to a squeeze page. It's you know opt in for. XYZ free report or free video or whatever. Well, what this does is it tur- sort of t- turns it on its head. And just I'll talk very high level and then I'll talk a little bit about the psychology behind why it works. One of the things I didn't bring up is that in a prior life, what feels like a prior life, before getting into um, business, before getting into marketing, I actually studied and taught neuroscience at the Ivy League level at Brown University. And I was actually intending on going into academia, going into grad school and becoming a neuroscientist. My best friend in college is a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic. We, you know, went through all of our classes together. Um, he just uh, took it all the way. But I kind of had a, you know, uh, decided that wasn't for me. I kind of meandered for a while. I worked on Wall Street for the investment bank Goldman Sachs. And then, like I said, lived in China for five years for uh, working for AIG and then kind of got into our world. The reason why I bring that up is because one of the things that makes sort of this approach unique is, and in my marketing, I tend to really focus on the neuroscience and the psychology of what's going on behind the scenes. And so, a lot of times there's sort of these effects that are going on that aren't apparent, taking advantage of cognitive biases that people don't realize that they have and doing it in a way that um, you know drives up uh, conversions tremendously. So 30,000 foot view, the way that this funnel works is you get to a, you, you'd send traffic from any number of sources, whether it's PPC, SEO, video traffic, Facebook, whatever. Traffic goes to a landing page. On the landing page is a short video. The short video has a button below it. The video sells people on why they should take this survey. Now, it's not positioned as a survey. That's the biggest mistake that people make. Take this survey and, you know, and I'll you know, send you to the, to the right sales page or whatever. Um, it's not positioned as a survey. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. But I just want to take the 30,000-foot view. After they click on that button to take the survey, the survey typically culminates in an opt-in form, name, email. From there, the survey does a couple different things. Number one, it funnels people into one of several different, typically, video sales letters. So that's number one. Now, it depends on how they answer the survey, what responses that they give, and they're sent to either, if there's just one product that's being sold, different marketing angles for that one product, or if it's a situation where you have a, you know dozens of products on the shelf, so to speak, it'll funnel people into the best match product based on how they answer the series of survey questions. In addition to that, from there, all the responses that people uh, take in the survey are incorporated into the email follow-ups. So not only are people sent to potentially different autoresponder sequences based on the results of the survey, the autoresponders are also customized. So we all know the merge field, you know, dear first name. But what we do is we take merge, we create merge fields for every single question that people answer. So a very basic one, a question in the survey might be, are you a man or a woman? The reason why I ask is because men and women suffer from different, uh, take weight loss, you know, different weight loss challenges. Well, we would then capture that data in a merge field, and then in the email follow-ups, the person who says that they're a man, the emails are customized, and it would say something. Your know, email might say something like this. You know what's interesting about guys who are looking to lose weight, and guys specifically, is that they tend to have a very unique challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, that same email could be read. You know what's interesting about women who are looking to lose weight, <laughs> and women specifically, is that women are looking to solve a very unique challenge. 
So the effect, that's just a very basic example. You can imagine taking that to the nth degree across a number of different questions. But the net effect is that when people go through that AR sequence, they say, holy crap, this is squarely exactly for me. And nobody does this. Nobody takes this level of customization and tailoring to the same extremes that we do. And it's one of the reasons why it's so effective. It's so refreshing for people to have a uh, customized response rather than a generic one-size-fits-all answer uh, marketing approach, which is what 99% of businesses do. Um, there's some other things that we do with a, you know, one-click upsell paths and remarketing and buyer email sequences. But at a 30,000-foot view level, that is what the survey funnel um, is in a nutshell. Okay. Is this something that, I mean, I, I think I could put this together. Like, you could do this with, say, Aweber, fairly straightforward. It would be fairly simple. It would be, like, sort of simple to do it with something like Aweber, but you'd have to be good at, say, the tech side of things, knowing how to set up sort of, um, like, URL variables and filling those hidden fields with, mm-hmm. with the data. But is this something that, say, like, an average person could, uh, who's probably not so techy, but they've got an email software, you know, some email software like Aweber or Infusionsoft or this kind of thing? Is this, I mean, it sounds cool. Sounds awesome. But how hard is it for someone to actually set up and then actually get the emails written so they make sense no matter what someone answers in the survey? Right. Now, it's a, it's a good question. So, again, my the main thing that I do is I implement this uh, for very large companies, the whole thing. In that process, I... Uh, my partner and I uh, found that there was no software in the market that did exactly what we needed it to do. So we developed a piece of software that's called surveyfunnel.io. We just recently made it available for, um, uh, to the public. That's the software that we use to create that survey that pops up that I described that captures all that merge field data and sends people into the, the best match video sales letter page and funnels them into one of several autoresponder sequences or a single autoresponder sequence that uses merge fields to give the appearance of customization. Now that software ties into whatever email service provider that you use. So it ties into Aweber, it ties into Infusionsoft, Constant Contact, uh, Entreport. Um, whatever you use, the software integrates with that, so that's the sur- the software that al- that creates allows you to create those surveys that I've described, capture the merge data, send that data to the appropriate hidden fields in Aweber, and then you you know have the ability to use the merge fields. So technically, it's actually not that difficult to do if you have access and use that software. Um, and that software, by the way, is uh, it's a uh, it's a SaaS program. So what that means is it's not like a WordPress plugin. It's platform agnostic, so it doesn't really matter what technology you use to build your website, whether it's WordPress or Joomla or just straight HTML. It literally, you just do all the all the setup work in a dashboard, and then you um, just plug a line of JavaScript on in your uh, website where you want the survey to pop up. And um, like I said, the path that we use is we use a, a video to sell people on why they should take the survey. Typically, there's a button below the video. And when they click on the button, it pops up the survey in a light box. And you go question by question by question, and you fill it out. So technically, it's not that difficult. As far as thinking through all the possible permutations on how you might integrate the merge fields into your email, well, that's something that you can take, you know, you can go as, as, as far or as um, not involved as you'd like. So 
at the bare minimum, you know, you might want to make one very basic segmentation like men and women if it's if it's appropriate. If you are a business consultant, you might want to find out if someone is either a business owner or, you know, maybe another business consultant. You know, do you own the business or are you do you help other businesses uh, you know, grow their revenue? Um, and then with that, you might use that to to customize things. But you do need to think it through. You do need to think through the different permutations. Like one very basic example I'll give you is if you're going to be using the gender thing when you for example set things up you don't have to use our software you could have something custom coded if you wanted but our software just makes it easy um, but if you in the software for example you would want to set up a gender singular merge field and a gender plural so that way you could say you know as a man you probably ask yourself why is it that you know I struggle with weight and the reason why is because men gender plural, tend to have different metabolism than women, especially as they get older, right? And you just flip that around. So you want to think through certain things like that. So gender singular and gender, gender plural is, like a, is, a, is a good example. Um, the other thing that we haven't talked about that I think is important when you do this is the psychology of why this works. So why does this work better than just a squeeze page? Well, there are a couple things going on. The first is the power of what I call micro-commitments. Now, micro-commitments are basically asking your prospect to take infinitesimally small steps to move them towards the action that you want them to take. And it's sort of like akin to when you're in a relationship with someone. Um, going straight from new visitor landing page to squeeze page is like if it's cold traffic, unendorsed traffic where people don't know who you are. It's sort of akin to meeting someone for the first time and maybe reaching in for a hug. Some people might be cool with it, but it's kind of a little bit too much, right? <laughs> instead, the micro-commitment thing, instead of going straight from, hey, sign, give me your name and email and I'll give you this thing, which, by the way, when people see that, you're going to get a bunch of, a lot of uh, fake email addresses, bogus email addresses, or you know, someone's third-tier email address, some Yahoo email address or Hotmail email, email address that they barely check just to get the thing that they that they came there for. But when you instead start with, before we get started, tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you a man or a woman? And the reason why I ask is because I want to point you in touch with the best possible resource for you. Man, woman. It's an easy, low threshold question to answer. So it doesn't take a lot of brain power. Man, woman is, unless you're being a smart ass, you know the answer, right? So there's not a lot, there's basically zero thought that goes into it. They don't have to think about the response. And it builds what I call action-taking momentum. They click on that one little thing and it kind of, you know, it's that first, you know, dipping the toe in the pool. And it's much easier to get things moving from there than that kind of very high threshold decision, which engages that flight or fight response where people are saying, do I really want to opt in? Or maybe I'm just going to get the hell out of here. This is like the baby step that leads up to it. So the net result is that A, your opt-in rates can be significantly higher. And B, you're gathering all this extremely useful intelligence along the way. And if nothing else, just use the gender one as an example. Think about what you can do from a segmentation standpoint when you're doing broadcast offers. So, perfect example, if you operate in a health market and you just know that uh, your prospect's uh, gender coming in. For men, you could do broadcasts. You could, you could create a custom segment for just men and only broadcast to them an erectile dysfunction product or a low T product, low testosterone. And for women, conversely, you could offer a, a perimenopause product or um, if you get uh, gender and age, you could 
do the you could focus on the women of childbearing age and do some sort of um, you know pre- pregnancy or mom type products. And I'm just giving you very basic examples, but as you can you can start to see how the you know the, really the possibilities are endless when you start going down this path. Hmm. It's funny because like there's sort of that philosophy behind you know with squeeze pages or with any sort of conversion process that the easier you make it for someone to sort of sign up or or join the more conversions you're going to get but in a sense what you're proposing it does make it easier in the sense of my, micro commitments but mm-hmm. it's almost like putting a barrier like instead of just some people would be like well no the best way to get someone to opt in is just give them the opt-in straight away if you right. give them a survey they're going to be like well, I don't want to do the survey like every time you add another step in that journey to the opt-in you're going to lose people but it sounds like that right. that's not actually the case well it's not the case for two reasons um, number one is even if your opt-in rate is a little bit lower Doing this, and some, which, and in, in, to be perfectly honest, in some markets, uh, it is. It will be. I will take one, you know, uh, ten opt-ins where I know age, gender, their hot buttons, the biggest objections they have, what their single biggest goal is in this particular space, over a hundred opt-ins where all I have is the email address, because I can market so much more effectively knowing just a little bit of information about the prospect. So those ten people, you know, I might get five sales. I might have a 50% conversion rate because I'm able to tie them into the absolute best match offer. But if I only have their email address, I'm just, it's a finger in the wind exercise. And it's also key if you ever want to scale. Now, if you're in a niche market and you're only going after, for example, a keyword, um, you know, I'm in Austin, Texas right now. So if you're a plumber and you had, you advertised on us on, uh, on the keyword, you know, how to fix a leaky toilet, uh, Austin, Texas, or with a geotargeting Austin, Texas. Well, you can have a very targeted squeeze page, discover how to fix a leaky toilet in just three simple steps and your name and email here. That's great. But what if you advertise on the keyword weight loss? Weight loss represents a million things under the sun. I discovered this in one of my own businesses. I have a, I have a six-figure business um, in the information product space in addition to the client work that I do. And uh, it's, uh, the, the business is rocketmemory.com. And it's a series of courses that teach people how to improve their memory. It leverages my, my background in neuroscience. But anyways, long story short, I was advertising on the keyword improve memory. And I couldn't make it work could not make it work. Just my lead cost, my cost per sale was so high, it just could not, I could, the economics didn't work. And when I started digging into the research, into the data, I started realizing the reason why is because that keyword represented a massive spectrum of people. Everyone from the college age student who's looking for memory tips to study for their test, all the way through the 65-year-old man who's concerned about mental decline and everything in between. So it's no wonder that you can't make a keyword like that work when you have such a spectrum of people searching on that, uh, on that keyword. So what I realized is that if I just asked a few simple questions about who the person was and then tailored the sales message and uh, f- sent them in the right direction, all of a sudden that traffic worked. And those were the highest volume keywords in my market, improve memory, how to improve memory, memory improvement, which were too vague to know what was the, 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 the rationale behind the search query. So if you want to scale, And again, I'm in environments where I'm generating in some markets up to 6,000 leads a day. You don't generate 6,000 leads a day on uh, some niche keyword. To do that, you are doing media buys, banner advertising, um, a lot of display advertising, and the uh, search keyword advertising, the PPC advertising that you're doing in the keyword space is on high uh, high, high volume keywords. So 
you know, to answer your point, uh, to answer your question, um, is it adding more friction? Even if it is, it's, I'd, I'd rather have that data so I can market more effectively. That's the first, the first thing. The second thing is that, you know, you, you brought up the point of, does it, you know, is it slowing down the, the process, uh, the, you know, the kind of putting friction in the, in the sales process by putting these additional steps? Well, if you just say, hey, take my survey, it will. But what you need to do the way I do it is I find a way to present and position the survey as an opportunity for self-discovery. And what I mean by that is and I, I never talk about specific client examples whenever I do interviews like this because I, mm. for competitive reasons, I don't want to give the psychology and rationale behind it, but I'll try to make one up right now. So it would be instead of you know, saying, hey, take this survey, it would be pick, like, pick a market. If it's a market that I'm not in, we'll come up with an example right off the fly. Pick a, just pick any market that... Um, mobile phones. Okay, mobile phones. Um, pick and um, most of the markets that I'm in, not all of them, are uh, in, like information-based markets. How to crack a mobile phone? How to, you know, how to jailbreak it? Uh, perfect. Okay, so that, I mean, we could, this, won't, this is not the best example, but we could do this. So it would be... Okay, this would this would be a little bit different angle than I than I normally take on most of the markets, but you could do something like this. You could say, discover the number one the number one thing, the number one reason why people you know mess up, you know, who try to jailbreak their phone, um, basically you know screw up their phone for life, you know, and then you would have a short video that basically sells people on the idea. Hey, listen, do you realize that um, there are you know three common mistakes that people tend to make when they jailbreak their phone, and all three of these things will you know will render your phone useless if you make them. Um, but the, the problem is because there are so many mobile phones out there. Literally, there are thousands of models and thousands of you know uh, hundreds of uh, uh, of brands across the world. That if you try to search for information online, it's almost impossible to find your specific make, model, and year. But the good news is we've put together a simple little database that covers every mobile phone under the sun. And if you just take a moment now. To click on the button below, enter, tell us what's your, your, your mobile phone brand, the year you purchased it, and the generation, we can send you directly to the specific jailbreak instructions for your particular phone, as well as how to avoid those three simple mistakes that I meant. And by the way, these three mistakes are different slightly depending on the phone that you have uh, that you're trying to jailbreak. So go at, you know, the only catch is we haven't decided how much longer we're going to make this service available for free online. So go ahead and do this right now while you're on this page and you're still thinking about it. Click on the button below. You know, enter your information. I'll see you on the other side. So it's not the best example, but you can see the way I've worded it right there. It's not a survey, mm-hmm. right? It's about getting some sort of end result, and it just makes sense. And along the way, you could find out shit what their phone what their phone is. You could find out. Um, you wouldn't even need to really ask the question, but you could ask it what their geolocation is. Like if that was relevant to you as a marketer, mm-hmm. um, you could even. I mean, gender would kind of be. You'd ha- it would be a stretch to ask for gender, but you could ask for certain things like um, what's the reason why you're trying to jailbreak your phone. Um, the re- and you would in the rationale you would say the reason why is because um, there's some subtle differences depending on what your goals are, and we want to make sure that you. You know, we put you to the best in, in touch with the best possible guide to do this, and that's just—I mean—that's just off the top of our head right now. Just, just coming up with something. I'm sure we could come up with a better angle, but <laughs> the point is, it's—it's it's all about you know making it. So, I mean, as we came up with this right now on the fly, and if you're trying to jailbreak your phone, like 
if I'm jailbreaking my phone, like I'm sold. Like I don't want to wade through forums, and I've never tried to jailbreak my phone, but I don't want to wade through forums and and uh, you know hundreds of pages of information. I just want to find like my phone right now, get the thing done, and move on with my life. So I feel like it's a pretty you know compelling offer, and so that's just one example. But you can hopefully see when you do this sort of approach why it's um, potentially so effective. Absolutely, I'm really seeing it. Absolutely. We're right on time here, Ryan. So but before we go, I know you you mentioned this the uh, the software a couple of times. So let's talk about um, if people want to learn more about you or about the software, where should they go? Um, well, a couple of different places. So the software, if you just want the software itself, um, uh, you can go to surveyfunnel.io. That's a site directly to the to the software. I will say at the time of this interview, um, this is my own internal software that I use in my company and for our high-level implementations. We literally, within the last couple months, just released it to the general public. And we had sort of you know, doubts if we wanted to do that because it's kind of like our secret sauce. Um, so if you go to that page, you're not going to find a real fancy, slick sales message or sales letter or anything like that. You may just see a simple form to opt in to uh, find out about the software itself. So that's the first thing. If you're interested in learning kind of the nuts and bolts and details behind how to create one of these funnels from end to end, I do periodically teach this at a site called surveyfunnelformula.com. It's a paid program in which I take people through my six-week process of building one of these funnels from end to end. And the reason why I put together this program, to be perfectly honest, was I never intended on making it for sale to the public. But when I expanded my team earlier this, this year, I brought on a couple different team members and I wanted them to understand the process so they could take off uh, a lot of the work that was on my desk. So what I did is I actually created a real live funnel from beginning to end and I had them uh, go through the whole process with me, take notes so they could then replicate it. And then we put it in a, in a sort of our, our internal uh, company website. And periodically I let people in and, and go through that training as well. So that's if you want to learn learn how to do the whole thing. Both of those are paid uh, paid software, paid programs. If people would just like to learn, um, get some of my free stuff, um, I put out a daily marketing email where I talk about some of the um, tests that I do and the markets that I'm in and the insights that, I, that I've picked up. And it's just kind of a, it's fun. It's like this interview. It's not super formal or anything like that. And it's just a, 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 a cool little thing. And if you want to sign up for that, you can go to thefunnelspecialist.com and then you'll see a nice little form on the right-hand side to sign up for that free daily marketing tip. And those are probably the three best ways to learn more about what I do and to uh, um, you know get some good stuff. Cool. Okay, I'll have links to those, all the sites in the show notes at themethod.com. Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming on. This was awesome, man. Really, uh, really happy to do this and uh, look forward to chatting again sometime soon, my friend. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.